1: everything you need to fight the trump
2: administration this is the bill press show live at youtube.com slash the bill press show well good morning uh welcome to the bill press show i am not bill press i'm jason dick i'm the deputy editor at roll call subbing in on this friday morning for bill you can just think of me as the kermit the frog to bill press's johnny carson in the 1970s yes it happened look it up on youtube youngsters Uh, Joining me uh, is the full Bill Bill Press crew, uh, even though we're having some uh, delightful uh, microphone issues with Peter.
3: Okay, look, here's the thing. (laughs) I just want to be Dane Cook. Right. That's right. really what it is. I want to grab the mic and I want to hold it, all right? I don't want to have any microphone stand. I don't
2: need that, okay? You you I can just hold it. You don't need a lavalier mic. You yeah. want you want, a, you want a microphone that looks like a howitzer.
3: That's right. I want to hold it in my head. I want to feel the energy surging through the microphony.
2: This is live radio, everybody. I just wanted to
3: mention that. It is. This is what happens. This is what happens. <laughs> this is what you happens me... when you go on live radio. Yeah, I mean the, the <laughs> uh, just, just to peel back the curtain just a, just a little bit. We've got this mic stand, uh, and and what happened is very technical term. Uh, it busted. <laughs> it busted. It just broke right before we went on air. So I'm gonna fix it as we get going. But I'm gonna do it. We're gonna do it live, Jason. We're, we, we're gonna do it live. <laughs> Holy
2: cow. And, and that's a great transition to uh, that, uh, that whole full court press thing. This is the full court press. Oh,
3: yes, that's right. Yes, just a couple of other stories making news. Okay, this story is nuts. We're going to go to Pennsylvania because there was a woman who actually was taking her dog for a walk on her property where she was attacked by a bear. She was dragged 80 yards. I want to just say right now, she's going to be okay. But her dog actually came in between her and the bear and stopped the attack. The dog is a Chihuahua. (laughs) The dog's name is Bear. No. I, I kid you not. Now, the dog also got injured because whenever he, the dog got between the woman and the bear, uh, the bear took a swipe at it. Uh, just again, the woman and the dog will both be okay. The bear got away, and this always bums me out when I hear this. They are looking for the bear. They're hunting for the bear. They say when they get the bear, they are going to euthanize it. I always hate
0: that.
2: At least he won't have to go back and be uh, humiliated ad nauseum by his bear friends. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Hey, remember that time that that chihuahua got yeah. got in the way that's of your your bear rage?
3: That's a good point. I think I would probably choose death. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's probably right. Well, it's the holiday season, Jason. How do you feel about regifting? If someone gives you a gift and that you don't necessarily care for it, so you give it to someone else? Uh, the the
2: I I do I I have engaged in this. Uh, you know there, the, but I I usually try not to reserve it for my closest friends and family
3: okay well that's not the that is not what donald trump does no he re-gifted. It doesn't even
2: take the price tags off well
3: he re-gifted monogrammed clothing to his son because he has a son named donald j trump jr of course And so with Donald Trump, the president got belts, polo shirts, wallets that had the DJT monogram on it. (laughs) He figured he could just give it to his son, which is exactly what he did. The president admitted that. Uh, Donald Trump saying, quote... Well, I'm the namesake, so I got, or, or excuse me, Donald Trump Jr. says, I'm the namesake, so I got re-gifted all the things that are monogrammed for him all the time. There was one Christmas where he may or may not have given me the gift that I had given here, him the year before. So, just to, just to follow that through. Donald Trump Jr. got his dad a monogrammed shirt that he gave him one Christmas, and then the next Christmas, his dad gave him the same gift that he had given him the year before.
2: And they say the Trumps are not environmentally conscious.
3: Look, you know what? I like <laughs> that. That I, I appreciate your optimism. Yes, they're poor, good progressives. They believe in recycling. Poor
2: Eric Trump. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, just, I mean, do you think that ever, at any point, you know, he was feeling bummed about it? <laughs> And then, then, and then he just like drew like a straight line through through the D and be like,
3: "No, look, bro, it's fine now, (laughs) Daddy." (laughs) This is the Bill Press Show.
2: So, Peter, as you mentioned, we are in the uh, the holiday season. Uh, we are. W- which Which means that uh, we're debating uh, whether we're going to shut down the government, usually.
3: <laughs> that's how it goes. That's, <laughs> just, that's how it goes. <laughs> can I just say, uh, today is the Bill Press Show holiday-tacular, uh, where we always go to lunch as a team. And I can tell you, this is our uh, uh, four- 13th year doing it. Mm-hmm. And in those 13 years, there have only been two arrests. Oh, that's good. That's not a joke. That's good. <laughs> that's <not laughs> no <a> joke. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there was. Tell
2: me that one of them was not a dine and dash, though.
3: No, 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 no. no. One of them was not a dine and dash. Okay, uh, we had someone who. Um, Bill is not very fast.
2: He can't became, he really can do that. None of them were Bills.
3: <laughs> Nobody who was arrested is is still a member of the of the team. That's why Jamie went to CBS. That's why that might be it. <laughs> it's been a while since we had anything go completely uh I'm, apocalyptic.
2: I'm, I'm a little cur- curious about this now.
3: I'll have to tell you the do, whole story off because it's nope. a long it's a long story. But we had a we had an employee uh who Let's just put it this way. I used to drink a lot more than I used to, mm-hmm. and this employee tried to go toe-to-toe with me, and he paid a very serious price for it. Uh, he he ended up going to jail. Wow. <laughs> he, he got very drunk and lost on the metro system, and the police picked him up. Oh. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that that Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I mean you, I mean, we've 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 already talked about a bear. You know, you, you sometimes you get the bear, sometimes the bar gets you. Yeah, that's you right. Know, like, I mean, you're you know you're kind of bear-like right now. I'm bearish. Uh, you know, bearish. Of or like a bear. Right, yes. You know, a, a heterosexual bear. Yeah. You know, but yeah, but, yeah, but still, sure. you you know you got the you're a big guy. <laughs> I can I could see a chihuahua staring you down, wanting to stare you down. I you would know. lose a fight to a chihuahua. Right. <laughs> Let's
3: be clear. I would lose a fight to a chihuahua. But uh,
2: you know the the. Oh, yeah. You know, I have um, I have my holiday party today, too. Yeah. I, I, I should probably shower at some point today, you know, for, for that. Over, uh, <laughs> overrated. Overrated. Um, no, this is you know, this is an interesting like in Washington. I mean, I know every city, you know, goes through a big holiday um, sort of extravaganza where everybody kind of gets together and does their holiday lunches or does their white elephant gifts or what have you. And um, but I feel like Washington, you have several different layers of it. You know, you've you've got your community. You know, you've got the, the just the people you you live around in a very immediate vicinity. Um, you know, your condo association or or your co-op or, or, or so forth, uh, and then you've got your workplace. You know, which typically has some sort of some sort of party, either offsite or onsite, and then you've got the the. I mean, if you're in journalism or in politics, there are there's just no shortage of of. You know, celebrations and get togethers where people, you know, where you feel like you really need to sort of check in because they're like sources and. And they're, and they're people that you want to make sure that, like, hey, I'm thinking about you, or at least I still need you to do my job uh, yeah, <laughs> like in, right. like in the coming in the coming months.
3: Well, we, we have a and great- And then there's the religious stuff, and it's just yeah. like it just
2: keeps going and going and going. And, and it's like, no wonder we all gain weight.
3: We know? have a so. great tradition at the Bill Press show where we, we go out to lunch, uh, and we go to a restaurant that has a bunch of faces on the wall, and I insist that we sit underneath the picture of Mr. Press, and I will accept nothing less every year, <laughs> And then, after we have lunch, uh, we go and we crash a bunch of other holiday parties. It's great. It's a great <laughs> tradition. We do it every year.
2: <laughs> so I'm assuming, uh, I, I think I know the restaurant of which you speak. Uh, well, are, it's are, the are, are, well, Yeah, okay. It's okay. The I, just, I, do, the... I wasn't sure if, you know, we're, you know, forbidden from, from speaking of Please it. Please don't know? anybody uh,
3: else show up uh,
2: today. Okay. Um, so, so you're in, you know, downtown area. I mean, like, how, does this launch start late? Because, I mean, like, holiday parties tend to start until, like, you know, six, seven o'clock—that that sort of hour—is it? Is is that what kind of duration of lunch we're talking about? So
3: here's what has happened in years past: uh, when Barack Obama was president, Mr. Press would go to the White House often, and we just had a habit of scheduling our holiday luncheon the same day that Barack Obama would do his end of year press conference. Remember, okay. he would have these end of year press conferences, right? And we usually always did it on a Friday, and it just. It just always happened. It that just
2: way. morphed into one. It was a, it was like Mardi Gras. You just yeah. went from one, one party to another.
3: So Bill would show up, have a quick lunch, and then say, "I got to go to the White House. You guys keep going. Here's the card."
2: Now I'm starting to understand why they're such uh, lengthy affairs.
3: <laughs> yeah, you can understand how this gets out of hand, right? Uh, but you know, I think it's going to be a pretty pretty casual affair today i don't think we're going to be running around
2: too much now speaking of presidents and and holiday parties and 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 so forth yeah uh, so the i mean so far i mean we i, I mean if, if i i think this is still the uh the, the case the president has not uh, scheduled uh, the, the the end of year press white house party won't be happening <laughs> will not be it's happening.
3: not happening this year
2: right um and which is kind of i mean I've heard it sort of both ways. Like that's a that's a, another norm busting thing, and it's kind of a bummer, sure. you know, because it, it it again shows that there is, um, you know, in a, in a democracy, everybody should be able to get a, get along regardless of their. Um, <laughs> there are different uh, viewpoints on how to influence public policy and so forth. Yeah. Uh. So th- so that's kind of over. And then other people are like, yeah, but I really wasn't going to take my mom to get a picture with Trump. Like nobody, nobody, right. you know, like the and several people say, you know, that that's just not. I mean, that's not going to be the case with everybody in the press. I'm sure, you know, the the folks at say the Daily Caller or you know the or you know some people in Fox and so forth, were, who. Have a you know a different view of yeah. the president than say the Bill Press show, uh, <laughs> just slightly. Uh, that that, uh, that they've they're kind of bummed. I mean like like what's Benny Johnson thinking right now? Like I mean, of course he probably gets like plenty of you know sort of airtime with the with with the president. At I'm I sure heads. he does. But but like that's you know it, I don't know. It just seems like kind of a bummer.
3: I can tell you what Bill said uh, because you know he. He is clearly a partisan, uh, but he also loves a good party, and so he, he, yeah. this is Bill Press. You're bill talking about. Press, yes, the mm. Bill, the Bill Press we know and love. Who knew? Like, th- we're breaking news right here. Right? Yeah, yeah, break, breaking <laughs> news. He is—he's a partier. Uh but you know, he loves every year. Loves, 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 loves the White House eggnog. He loves the White House eggnog, and even though we got the recipe for it now, it's just not the same. It's not the same. He says. No. He says it's just not the same. No. So he would have absolutely gone had he been invited but he wasn't probably going to probably wasn't invited so this is the
2: other thing too is that the again shutdown you know the the government funding expires for nine cabinet agencies in in one week a little over one week the end of the night on Friday night uh, congress is trying to figure out a way they can bridge a gap between themselves and the president who wants 5 billion dollars for a border wall uh, they're they're offering you know at, the, at this point you know the the Current level of funding is about one point three billion dollars, and the president himself asked for one point six billion dollars in his budget. Um, the president is scheduled. We found out yesterday. The president is scheduled to depart for Mar-a-Lago on on Friday on the, next next week. This was actually
3: a great <laughs> conversation we had because the co- the question was, if the government shuts down, does he still go to Mar-a-Lago? Right. The answer is. Yes, of course he Probably. does.
2: Now, and and again, you know, presidents can sign legislation through auto pen, you know, in the air, all that kind of stuff. But the again, the you know, the just the sort of the imagery of of somebody, uh, you know, flying down to their resort <laughs> in Florida uh, while everybody else, uh, you know, sort of hashes out whether or not we're going to be paying the border patrol uh, or FBI agents or uh, you know the the TSA and so yeah. forth uh over the Christmas holidays who <laughs> no, go. Is, is 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 like it's it, i mean there's a, a little what and then it's also it's this is not going to be a um a a short jaunt uh this is this is not going to be a, a, a like congress's long weekends <laughs> this is going to be a sixteen day trip which means that he's going to continue to stay down there actually past the the convening of the new congress on january third the hundred and sixteenth congress. Uh, so he'll he'll be there for 16 days, and
3: I mean, I, me, 16 days? Yeah. Take a real vacation, man. <laughs> like, you, know, Barack Obama, used to go to Hawaii, right? Uh, go, go see somewhere else. So, what are you, you going to hole up on your golf course for? Your resort for? I mean, can you imagine?
2: I I mean, I I think I mean, granted, you know, he does get to travel as the president. Right? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I if if I was spending all my time just in either New Jersey. Or or, or Mar a Lago. Yeah, I would think that that would get a, a slightly old. Now, granted, maybe I just you know I'm am not uh, of such an August age that I <laughs> I have to have you know just the the comforts that I know you know like the golf course in West Bedminster and the golf course in Mar a Lago. Uh, but I, I I don't know. I'm I'm really kind of I'm kind of intrigued by that because Obama you know he would go to Hawaii, uh, but he'd also like go other places. And, yeah, you know I mean I don't know. It it just it's kind of a and. Other presidents would do the same. Granted, Bush, you know, spent a lot of time at uh, his uh, ranch uh, in right. in, uh, in in Texas, and I have to be careful with that because the place where I grew up, which was a cattle ranch in Cottonwood, Arizona, that I grew up on, a small albeit a small cattle ranch, is no longer a ranch. Uh, we do not run cattle there anymore. But we still lots of brush to clear. Lots of of brush to clear. But we still and lots of uh, old cars that don't work to clear. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um,
3: (laughs) The old broken down car uh, stampede. Yeah, Chevy Cutlass. Uh,
2: Yeah, (laughs) 1980 Chevy Vermin. Get out of (laughs) here. 1950 Dodge dump truck. Out. Out. 1959 Desert Oasis (laughs) travel trailer. These are all. This is all, unfortunately, <laughs> true. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, But we call it, you know, in in parlance, we call it the ranch. And, sure. And I mean, just because it's just easier. Like my mom calls it the ranch. You know, my wife Fawn calls it the ranch. I call it the ranch. Other people, you know, who have visited, call it the ranch. Um, anyway, I didn't mean to go totally on a tangent there. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, when you're the president, you have Secret Service protection. You know, it, it's it's helpful to be in familiar spots where you can be safe. Um, but the, the, again, the image, and, and I don't even know where to begin with this. I mean, we're still, we're two years into the Trump presidency. I mean, he ran a campaign a year, for a year and a half before being elected. So we're, we're now, you know, three and a half years into him as a political figure. And I still don't know whether this is, uh, a canny negotiating tactic. Like you guys figure it out. I'm out of here regardless. Right. Or clueless, like, you know, saying like, if if it, even if it gets tough, I'm going to fold and I'm going to sign something, you know, so that the, you know, we can keep like people paid over the holidays. Or whether it's just like, you know, it, it was it didn't even occur <laughs> to, to anybody ding, ding, making the schedule.
3: It's the Occam's razor thing, man. It's always <laughs> the easiest thing. He just doesn't care. He doesn't think about it. I mean, look, I would kind like of, kind of like re gifting your embroidered yeah. shirts. Yeah. He never, like, <laughs> Oh, the, oh, he'll love this. This will make sense. It's a Trump Boom. shirt. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's a it's a Trump-made shirt. Right.
3: <laughs> like, it's not something that he thinks about. Like, in terms of, is this a strategy? Absolutely not. Absolutely not did he think that this is some way going to uh, impact the whole shutdown fight and whether or not this is a power play or whatever. He's just going to do whatever he wants to do. So, speaking of no strategy, um, the,
2: it seemed like on Tuesday, and I know you guys talked about this on on Wednesday... Um, the the whole Oval Office thing, you know, when when he's meeting with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, the the Democratic leaders in Congress in the House and Senate, respectively. Um, you know, it, it when when we saw the call when our our White House reporter uh, John Bennett, friend of the show, friend uh, of the show, friend of the pod, uh, when he um, when he signaled the the pool is, is saying that they're they're having to gather in the Oval Office for this meeting. We're, you know, everybody just went like, oh, get ready for like. Get ready for the show. Right. I mean, this is going to be I mean, th- this is going to be must see TV. And really, it is incredible. It is inc- incredibly compelling, like 18 minutes or so. I mean, it's you, you're if it's just like, whoa, it's like watching, you know, something that, you know, is going to be kind of a train wreck and slightly orchestrated. But it just, you know, really did. I feel like it actually did go off the rails. And so there was some strategy there, right? You know, he he probably you know said like, this is going to go well with the people who support me. This is going to go well with my base. I'm going to lecture these Democrats. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lecture these two, you know, this left coast liberal Nancy Pelosi, you know, and this you know and Chuck Schumer who's from the the other borough, you know, in New York, right? You know, that that I can that I'm I'm better than, um, and and it just quickly went off the rails, and. And then, you know, I don't know if you guys saw this on Wednesday. There was a small, you know, like sort of question of whether he was going to come to work
3: or not. Yeah, Wednesday. it was like 1 p.m. and they were still <laughs> reporting he has not shown up for work yet.
2: It's like that's uh, I mean, and, and granted, if you're the president and you're and you're calling in for a little mental health day, like who, who do you call? Right. What, what do you? I mean, he's, he's not going to call Kelly. Right. <laughs> They're not, I, they don't even speak to each other anymore. I
3: also <laughs> think it would not be that hard to make it look, you know, we all have our ways to make it, make ourselves look busy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you live where you work. Right. It would not be that hard to just like, you know, make it look like you're working. Just, hey, he's in the office today. He's doing some blah, blah, blah. Everyone's no, no. just like, no, he hasn't showed up for work today. And and we know that, it, you well, know, it's a
2: hell of a commute. Right. And we know that people are not, you know, he, he's not getting the the daily presidential briefing, you know, right. on, on intelligence. Gina Haspel is not driving over from, uh uh, from Langley to to brief him, or actually, like I guess it, you know, have you seen the Jack Ryan show? No, yeah. I haven't watched it. So, in, you know, the, in the first, they 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 got they got a nice little knock on them, you know, because they said, oh, this is a really good show, and they show Jack Ryan commuting to Langley on his bike, on his bike by drive by riding toward the Capitol. right, which is the opposite direction from where Langley is, yeah, and then getting you know on. I don't, is it like G W Parkway or Rock Rock Creek Park or something? And we like it's like it makes zero sense. And then all of a sudden he's in Langley, and it's like that's like an hour yeah. long bike ride for a bike ride. It's right. a really long bike ride. That's a long commute. I read uh, about
3: that, and that, and that's why I didn't want. <laughs> so
2: I mean, Terminator. it's supposed to be a good show. Uh, reg- other than that, sure, you know, w- which is is like uh, I th- I think this is kind of hopeful for uh, for journalists <laughs> that maybe at some point we'll all be employed by Hollywood to try to make sure they don't screw up the logistics of getting around the Capitol. Thing. Yeah. You'd think that there would be somebody who would say, like, hey, he's going in the opposite direction of Virginia. Right. <laughs> of the Potomac River. Right. Um, anyway. Um, so, and and then, you know, he, he was going to do this empowerment zone thing in Baltimore and and kind of, like, canceled on that, which is...
3: Well, that's weird. That's uh, unlike him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I you know, the first thing I thought was... And he, you know that oh okay so he hasn't gone into a war zone you know to hang out with the troops that he says he loves so much um, and now he won't even go into Baltimore and granted Baltimore might be more dangerous than some parts of Syria uh, I'm just kidding just kidding everybody in Baltimore uh, although there are some parts of Baltimore that are kind of car- you know scary sure um, uh, just but like the, you know I'm like this is a this is somebody who's becoming even in two years. Completely encased in these cocoons, whether it's the White House cocoon, the Bedminster cocoon, or the Mar-a-Lago co- co- cocoon. I mean, there's not a lot. That just seems to be penetrating, unless you're, you know, you can get the message to him on Fox and Friends. I guess. Right.
3: So, like, I'm I'm obviously very partisan about this, right? But I will I will say, uh, it, it, it's really not that hard to figure out what's going on here. He just, I mean. He's an old man. He acts like an old man.
2: He is past retirement age. He is. He's nearing the actuarial ages where <laughs> insurance agents don't like to insure you any longer.
3: And, and I'm really not trying to make fun. I He does not seem to have a grasp on reality oftentimes, right? If you look at his tweets, you look at the statements, you look at how he acts.
2: Smocking guns.
3: Yes, yeah, smocking guns. That Did was... you see the Bill Mitchell defense of that? No, He I spelled didn't. it like that on purpose because he's mocking the Democrats. So oh, you idiot. mocking mocking them, you dummy. You <laughs> thought he misspelled it? He did it on purpose.
2: I thought I just thought that he just likes to you know sort of sew things, right? You know, yeah, like, right. And, and and that that was a you know awesome new way to
3: <laughs> sew a smock. But he <laughs> just does what he wants to do. Like mm-hmm. there was that brief sort of like. Uh, uh, at the Christmas tree lighting ceremony. He just up and left yeah. in the middle of it and left a bunch of, like, the pool reporters were stranded.
2: He did this in Brazil, too, he did or, it or not a, Brazil, Argentina. He did it During in Argentina. G- G20, he just kind of left somebody on the stage. He
3: did it with the president of Argentina. They were supposed to have a, a photo op. He goes out there, he shakes his head, he walks off stage and said, literally, said, get me the hell out of here. Some of the mic picked him up and said, just get me the hell out of here. He doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to do it. He's tired of it. It, it's draining for him. He just doesn't want to do it. And that's what it really comes down to for Trump with all things. He doesn't do anything that he doesn't want to do. And, like, you look at George W. Bush when he left office, he looked like he had aged 20 years. Right. You look at Barack Obama. He looked like he had aged 20 years.
2: And they show this with the the, the hair. Always with the hair. It's always with the hair and also, the, like, a the little blotchiness.
3: Yeah. And, like, every president almost universally, they leave office looking far worse and far more aged than they did when they came in. Donald Trump is going to walk out of the presidency looking exactly like he did when he walked out because he does not stress over it. He doesn't lose sleep over it. He doesn't worry about the consequences of his actions. This is not something that stresses him out at all. I don't think that the man is capable of experiencing stress on any level.
2: But one thing, I mean, one of the reasons, you know, that like aging and... and. Um... You know, it's not exactly gerontologists, I guess, who would be studying this necessarily. But one of the things about the presidency that does age you is that you are always on and you don't have control over your own movements. And these are I mean, like, not to get too esoteric, but like. These are some of the things that actually make us human—that we have like some choice over where we are and, and how we conduct ourselves—and even even prisoners, right? Even people yeah. serving life in prison or in solitary confinement, find the the survivors find ways that they can take control of their situation. It, it might just be like meditation, or it might be like some small sliver, but that's the way that they hold on to their humanity. And when you have no control over that, when you have when you, it, at any moment you know that some dude, you know, might burst in the door and literally pick you up and drag you through a basement to keep you safe, right? At any given moment, um, that is stressful. That I mean, and that that takes years, you know, sort of off of your life. Uh, what I mean, what's fascinating to me is that for the most part, you know, a lot of these guys when they they do they they look like hell, you know, <laughs> at the end they're just like. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like at the end of a show here, you know. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's very exhausting. It takes it's uh, taking years but, off of my life,
2: but at the same time, then they live for years afterward. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's like there there is this it, whether it's this like sort of rejuvenation or whatever, but or just not being in that situation. And this is also why I mean, granted, presidents in general don't feel the need to run for the city council, say uh, after they after they leave the presidency. Uh, with the exception of John Quincy Adams, who went to the House and died there, uh, like in the in the middle of debate, <laughs> um, but it's amazing. It, it's it's an incredible story. Um, the, and and a and a really like at some point another show, another a show for another time. Uh, I, I we should have Tim Crep, uh, who, uh in the n- neighborhood, uh, you know, sort of fixture and ghost tour, yeah. guide, uh, and overall just awesome dude i'm sure he's
3: downstairs uh, right he's, right he's probably he's having coffee yeah, yeah. he's always done <laughs> uh
2: we should have him and talk about i want him to talk about all the different haunted spaces in the capitol including the the bench you know where where john quincy adams died you let's know? do it we yeah. should do that i time. I, I, yeah. I i think That'd be awesome uh, i would love to have tim in here because you know he walks his daughter to to school in the morning and he could just come right up you know for a little half hour you know gig and then go back down and yeah and you know, hold court down there with the other <laughs> dads. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm so into that. He's 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 been he's been a great source for for roll call too, uh, over the years. But it, but yeah, they, I mean, they they tend to live for years and years and years afterwards. I mean, W actually looks better. I, I you know when you, when you saw him you know give the uh, uh, eulogy at the at the cathedral. I mean, he looks better now than he did when he left office 100%. ten years ago. hundred um, percent. And also, I mean, like again. I realize you know, uh, Mr. Press and and uh, Mr. Ogburn and and uh, other folks in the Bill Press enterprise have have their own political uh, leanings, we'll say. Um, but that was, you know, Susan Glazer's story about like that being like how what does it say that funerals are our feel good moments now in in Washington? I mean that that was a very like um like kind of American moment. I thought you know to to see that funeral and. You know, obviously, like, Bush, I mean, it, there was, that was so genuine. You know, like, and, and when he broke down, you know, talking about his dad, I mean, that was really, like, kind of sweet. And one of these moments that you just don't see a lot of, and one of these moments that's incredibly difficult to imagine prompt doing. Like, can you imagine him, one, even giving a eulogy, uh, and, and then also breaking down out of affection for somebody?
3: I actually had this conversation with uh, one of my children because... We, You're like you better. Avenge me! Avenge <laughs> <laughs> me, well, Magnus. Well, no, we we <laughs> had the uh, I, I had the the H W Bush thing on the TV, mm-hmm. uh, the funeral, and uh, they just said, "Wow, this is like this this is really impressive." It's a big deal. This is really impressive. I look, this is, like, we really only do this for presidents. Right. We roll and John this, McCain. And John McCain. <laughs> right.
2: And Ben Bradley, I guess. Uh,
3: we roll this type of stuff out, right? Like, we do these types of funerals just really for presidents because there's so few of them. Right. And they said, are they going to do this for Trump? And I thought to myself, and I was like, well, yeah, they'll, they'll do a form of this because he was the right. president. But I, I can't imagine... You know, uh, certainly any of the living presidents now, you know, assuming they outlive him, somehow giving going up and giving some sort right. of speech, right? It's a very small uh, 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 group of people that have ever held that office. None of the other presidents would get up there and speak for him. None of them. Certainly, certainly I mean, his not... kids will.
2: Yeah. Okay. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> right. They were they were so articulate in Cleveland. Yeah, know. right. Like his kids would My speak, dad is awesome.
3: But like who else Deal is gonna speak for him? <laughs> right. Louis Gomer? Chris Christie. Chris Christie might Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows might Corey Lewandowski. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> First of all, him walking into a church <laughs> brandishing
2: like, you know, two six shooters or yeah, something like right. that. Yeah. Um, and now,
3: giving the uh, the very <laughs> heartwell, heartfelt uh, eulogy, Doctor Seb Gorka, <laughs> yeah. in his full Nazi uniform,
2: <laughs> are, are, you know, I mean, just the they would have to actually expand some of the pews just to make way for all the ex-wives. That's right. You know? Yeah, that's um, right. But no, I I mean, Nixon did not get this kind of this kind of thing. So I mean, it, I think it depends on how he leaves office. Um, so. We're going to take a short break right now, uh, and we will be back. We're going to talk a little bit more about the news, and then at the top of the hour, we're going to welcome Todd Ruger from Roll Call to talk about some of the legal issues uh, that the president and others in his circle are dealing with, as well as a Criminal Justice Sentencing Reform Act that the Senate's considering. We'll be right back on The Bill Press Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Welcome back. I'm Jason Dick. I'm the deputy editor at Roll Call. I am subbing in for... Bill Press on this Friday, um, and uh, I will be joined later on in the show by my colleague at Roll Call, Todd Ruger. We're going to talk about uh, the, the legal world. We're going to talk about some legislation that the Senate is, going, is considering right now on sentencing reform, as well as some of the legal uh, issues surrounding the Trump administration and its orbit. And then after that, we're going to talk to Ginger Gibson, our friend who is a political correspondent at Reuters. Um, one of the things, uh, you know, when we were talking about the the holiday season it's also in, at this particular stage of the holidays and this particular stage of a year is that it's also farewell time for a lot of uh, um, a lot of senators And you know there in, in particular there's some there has been there have been a little some jabs back and forth uh, on you know particularly some of the Democrats who lost uh, Claire McCaskill uh, who was in Missouri uh, she uh, she lost. To Josh Hawley, the attorney general there. And after she lost, and and even yesterday, she had some, you know, kind of interesting political observations. Is that the most diplomatic way to say it about her party and politics?
1: (laughs) I'd be lying if I didn't say I was worried about this place. It just doesn't work as well as it used to. The Senate has been so enjoyable for me, but I must admit... It puts the fun in dysfunction. Peter Morgan, an author, said no family is complete without an embarrassing uncle. We have too many embarrassing uncles in the United States Senate. Lots of embarrassing stuff. The United States Senate is no longer the world's greatest deliberative body. And everybody needs to quit saying it.
3: She didn't hold back. No,
2: no, not exactly. Um,
1: Embarrassing uncle,
2: man. Yeah. I mean, and, you
3: know, in... as an embarrassing uncle.
2: Right. <laughs> I
3: take <laughs> offense to that.
2: Hey, um, no, I, you know, it, it is, it is kind of, it's inc- incredibly invigorating also to hear somebody speak like this. Granted, she's leaving, you know, she's probably not going to run for office again. I mean, you know, she, she's, she has had a, a pretty full political career, you know, starting with being a prosecutor uh, in Jackson County, which is outside of Kansas City. You know, she's from um I think uh Rolla, which is like near Cape Girardeau and, and so forth. So she's not from the, you know, the 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 big city in Missouri. Uh so she's had this like pretty full career. She knows the state. Um she's rich. <laughs> I mean she she doesn't need the United States Senate. And really, I mean like that she I almost feel like you know, she, this these last six years, her last term, which was her second term, were almost a, um, like, playing with house money because she she was the luckiest <laughs> of all of the people who ran in 2012. You know, she got to run against Todd Akin, uh, followed closely by Joe Donnelly, who got to run against Richard Murdoch. This is the, you know, the, the legitimate rape and, uh, you know, like, kind of, you know, interesting theories on pregnancy crowd. Uh, that that Donnelly and and uh, McCaskill got to, to run against, and you know she she was able to win in Missouri when Obama was losing it by bucket loads, uh, and she came you know in, in 2006 she she beat a pretty good you know sort of solid Republican senator in Jim Talent in 2006, but it was also a wavier you know so she you know there were she was always going to be one of the most vulnerable coming up in this cycle. Um, and, you know, that kind of, I think, teaches you some things. And, you know, because she's from Missouri, like, she's got a different perspective than somebody that gets to run in, like, California or New York or Massachusetts, say. Um, and it, it's just, granted, you you would love to hear that stuff earlier. <laughs> You'd love to hear, you know, like, these sort of Bullworth-type yeah. statements, uh, like, not after, like, there's nothing at stake. But it's still good to hear it, I think.
3: No, I, I think that's right. And and it's also, I think, we're in a moment now where you're hearing more and more people talk about just how screwy our government is and the right. way that it's set up and the way that it's currently operating. I mean, look, it, it was set up under the best of ideas and it has worked fairly well, you know, with with plenty of mistakes, but has worked pretty well. It's the, the least years. bad option <clears throat> yeah and now it's, we've reached a point where i think people are actually questioning the uh necessity of the senate so and i think it's pretty fascinating that she actually waited in those waters to say this is not it's not the working. greatest right body deliberative body in the land this is not working as well as it should i think that's Worth saying. Again, I wish she had said it earlier.
2: Right. It would it would have been nice to, to hear that. Um and you know, the I mean she's she's also thrown quite a bit of shade towards Mitch McConnell, uh the, the majority leader, who I mean, you know, people tend to, to focus on Harry Reid and his um his role in getting rid of the filibuster on judicial nominees and how that's led us to the point where particularly with, you know, every all the way up to the Supreme Court and for cabinet officials, you know, you you don't have to um, you don't have to have a you know you you'd only need 50 votes you don't only need a majority you don't have to deal with the filibuster and that but one of the reasons that that Reid felt compelled to do that is because Mitch McConnell used every procedural tool in the in the handbook th- to slow everything and so I mean the, the the roots of the dysfunction in the Senate go back fairly far
3: it's like the Kobayashi Moru, you know Ooh. in the sense that like. There is a way to. It's a Star be- Trek, a reference? A Star Trek a- reference guys. Star
2: Trek 2 Rathicon, <laughs> to be specific.
3: <laughs> Thank you. It's th- this system is foolproof until you figure out a way to game the system for your own personal benefit, right? Uh, or, or-, or, or until you
2: fill, fill it with so many fools. Right,
3: <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, you get to a point where uh, this airtight system that we all revere and love and put all of our faith in. Has been completely hijacked, right? And has been made to work for whoever has the, you know, even a little bit of power, right? Uh, so it's really not a finding common ground, finding the best way forward. I mean, you look at what has Mitch McConnell has done to it, as you mentioned, uh, to uh, just Merrick Garland, for example, right? Like that should have never, ever, ever uh, happened in the way that it should have. That's not the way that the Senate was set up, right? It's just not the way that the Senate was set up. And there were a lot of people who pointed out that in the midterms, you know, there were a ton more votes for Democrats going to Senate than Republicans. And there was some pushback on that because that's just not the way that the system works. I, I get that. I, right. I, I I do get that. I think that there, there, there has to be some sort of representation for people that don't have. Uh, don't
2: live in California. Don't live
3: in California or, or super populous areas. I, I understand that. But there is something to be said about the fact that people want uh, those ideals and those, right. the way that, 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 uh, uh, the Senate would run that way. They want that represented more than the way that it has been represented.
2: Well, and you know, one of the things, and we'll, we'll talk about this with Todd, uh, when, when we, we grab him in the, the top of the hour, but the, the, we got a glimmer of the way the Senate can work just this last, you know, week or so. Um, and, and in particular, with this criminal justice reform bill i mean this is this is not something that mitch mcconnell really wanted to consider and spend any time on but the really sort of earnest efforts across the spectrum i mean richard durbin the you know democratic whip uh in, in and a uh from illinois was working with mike lee <laughs> a you know Repub- conservative republican from utah And Cory Booker, uh, a liberal from New Jersey, and Rand Paul, a libertarian from Kentucky. I mean, these guys were all working together in really good faith, you know, with, with groups like Americans for Prosperity, yeah. the Koch I mean, brothers, you know, like a political action arm, and finally McConnell just couldn't; he, they wouldn't go away. And then, you know, we we've we've like criticized and made fun of Flake a lot for for not following through on his threats. But one of the reasons that Mitch McConnell is considering this is because Flake said, "I'm not voting for any more judicial nominees," and also Chuck Grassley, who worked on this bill, said, "Like I'm not moving any more judges either because I'm kind of pissed about this that like I I moved." two Supreme Court, you know, justices in my in my time, you know, here as, as judiciary chairman and all on this boatload of judges and like and Mitch won't give me a vote on this. I mean, like it just became untenable and lo and behold, they're on the bill. Yeah. I mean that's yeah. that feels like, whoa, hey, wait, is this how the Senate is like actually supposed to work? Like that people will actually debate these things? And, you know, we saw it yesterday too, uh, and earlier this week with this, you know, the the consideration of this resolution on whether to pull out our troops from Yemen. Um I mean that this you know if, if you if you turned on C SPAN, as so many are wont to do, uh in the middle of the day, um you you might have seen that there were actually people on the Senate floor. It wasn't just an endless quorum call, which it usually is, which means that there are basically two people and some staffers on the Senate floor waiting to You know, find out whether they can vote and whether they can get people out of the, you know, the canteen, you know, (laughs) so that, uh, so they can come in and say aye or no and then go back to, you know, whatever they're doing. Uh, People were actually debating the authority of Congress to make war. And what's incredibly significant about this moment yesterday, they passed this resolution, you know, um, with, I think it was uh, 5641, I believe, something like that. Um, I'll get, we'll get the exact numbers. the they They passed this resolution that says that the the Pentagon needs to you know direct u s troops away from like helping the Saudis wage war in Yemen. and this the the principal sponsors of this resolution were Bernie Sanders, an independent Senator from Vermont who caucuses with Democrats. Mike Lee, there's that name again, uh, and Chris Murphy, a Democrat from Connecticut. This is about as bipartisan yeah. as you can get. Wow. And, and they did it the right way. They, they forced McConnell into this situation where he had to pay attention to them, that they were not going to go away, and they debated it. And, again, another significant aspect of this War Powers uh, debate is that not, not so much that, like, they were having it, but they were, they were having it for the first time. The, the pa- Congress passed the War Powers Act in 1973 because they didn't want another Vietnam. Uh, They didn't want like several presidents to be able to keep troops in a war zone and get them killed and and so forth without explicit authorization from Congress. So like if you can have them there for like 60 days in the account of an emergency and then Congress gets to weigh in if they chose. Well, for 45 years, they didn't choose to actually exercise that authority. They actually did yesterday. This is a big moment.
3: I want to play a clip because you mentioned Bernie Sanders. Uh, You can hear his frustration and how out of hand. This has gotten over the 45 years. The United States Congress, in this case the Senate, is sick and tired of abdicating its responsibility, its constitutional responsibility on matters of war. So it sounds like it's a little bit of a wake-up call, which again, he, he calls it exactly that. We have woken up the United States Congress to its constitutional responsibilities. There are a
2: lot of issues out there uh, in terms of foreign policy and military policy.
3: That have not been debated on the floor of the Senate or the House. And by the way, that happened under Barack Obama too, right? And George and Bush, Bush. I mean, and, Clinton, and Clinton, and Bush, yeah. and yeah, Reagan, right, and Carter. Right. So this is not a thing. And Ford, Trump and Nixon. Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> right. no, I mean, th- this is this is a, a fairly significant moment. And again, I'm I'm not trying to um, downplay the level of dysfunction in the United States Congress, but. You know, McCaskill is right that there is a lot of um, there, the, the Senate is not quite the world's greatest deliberative body that people keep on saying. However, there there was actual debate about this, about Congress's authority and, and the, the moral implications of waging war. Uh, and they were also they they got enough Republicans to defy their own president. I mean, like. Trump apparently was so concerned about this that he actually let Gina Haspel out of her, you know, spider hole in Langley to come brief, you know, the the senators and, and members of the House to say, like, no, it's all good. We got this. You know, I mean, like uh, and who knows what was said in the briefing? I mean, these are secure briefings and so forth. But, you know, Trump kind of kept Haspel away from the Senate until Lindsey Graham, who is as, as you know, we've mentioned before, somewhat of an acolyte of the president these days. He said, like, I'm not going to vote for anything to get us out of here at the end of the year until I hear from Gina Haspel about, you know, what, what happened with Jamal Khashoggi, who was, you know, murdered by the Saudi regime in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, which helped set off a lot of these reverberations. I mean, I know this is like kind of complicated. There's a lot of stuff going on here, but every time... One of these briefings happened, whether it was Haspel briefing members of Congress or whether it was Jim Mattis and Mike Pompeo, the secretary of defense, and the secretary of state, respectively. It it only seemed to encourage members of Congress to basically get off their asses and and be like, no, we're going to debate this. This is like crazy.
3: Well, it's a good reminder, I think, especially if you look at the last two years, that Congress has a lot of power. And I, I know that seems very When elementary. they choose to exercise it, it. It all comes down to when they choose to exercise it. And Nancy Pelosi, when she was meeting with Donald Trump and Chuck Schumer in the Oval Office, and she said, hey, look, we're, we're the first line here. Right. Like, that's the way that this is set up. Article one. It's not just the way, that, it's not the president's way and that's it. These things all have to work in concert together to actually get things done, which I honestly don't think that Donald Trump knew or knows, or understands. I, truly, I just think he thinks that, and I think a lot of Americans feel the same way too, or think the same thing. You, you're President of the United States, you want something done, you get it done. right? Uh, and that's just not the case. Right. Look, and especially if you look at what's happened over uh, the last two years with Donald Trump, I think that a lot of uh, the Republicans enabled him uh, and didn't do their job. Well, they have a job to do and it looks like they're going to start doing it.
2: I mean, it, it's certainly encouraging in, in in that aspect. I mean, there there is uh, Congress um, never fails to uh, fail. I mean, it it seems <laughs> there. You know, what's the uh, there's a sort of a it's almost like a Will Rogersism that like the you know the Democrats never uh, miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Right. Right. Uh, uh, but the I mean, there this this is kind of encouraging, and you know, I I find that you know, being a politician, th- this is one of the things that's very interesting about Nancy Pelosi in particular, is that she is a professional politician. Um, whether 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 she has stayed too long in her leadership position, whether you agree with her policies, she actually is good at her job. Um, she wasn't good at winning elections for a while there, uh, for, for a variety of reasons. Uh, but she, I mean, She's going to become, you know, because it looks like she's locked up the votes. You know, she, she made a deal with some uh, some of the holdout Democrats earlier this week, which we'll talk to uh, Ginger about when she, when she gets in here at 830. Um, but she looks like she's going to be the speaker again. This will be the first time somebody's regained the speakership since Sam Rayburn in 1955. I mean, th- this is that's an accomplishment. So she's not only the first woman to ever be speaker. She's also, you know, she'll be the first person since Sam Rayburn, who was, you know, in, by all accounts, the, the at this at that point, the most powerful speaker, you know, to ever hold sway in in, in Congress. And, you know, I mean, that's that's just sort of an accomplishment. And then in the, and when you saw her like kind of somewhat coolly, not not she didn't get every, she didn't hit every note right in the in the Oval Office, you know, sort of smackdown on Tuesday. You're welcome, Brandon, for that uh, reference. <laughs> um, but in the Oval Office on Tuesday, you know, she didn't hit every every sort of, you know, note right. But she certainly came across as more composed than Schumer, who was just sort of slumped over, you know, in his chair, you know, just kind of taking it.
3: Look, as a Democrat or as someone who works on a progressive show, right, uh, I- I'm I'm mostly upset that Chuck Schumer did not lose his leadership role uh and that meeting was a really good reason why in my eyes i mean nancy pelosi absolutely ran that meeting she was in charge
2: oh wait i thought mike pence was in charge of that <laughs> remember remember when mike pence was the mastermind it's like that that should put that should put any of those theories to bed
3: i have to play <laughs> i have one clip of uh what mike pence said in the interview which was really really interesting all right here it is okay so there's mike pence that's all he had to offer to the meeting <laughs> Had... I was like. I was gonna say what? Which interview we did? I, I yeah. almost prompted you, no. you. had me. Not had one me. word. Not one word. Uh, what was it the
2: Colbert thing? Somebody forgot to plug in Mike Pence. Yeah, you know, right. or, or whatever. I mean, it, it. was. My
3: favorite was the moment he just sat there with his eyes closed, like you could just hear him praying. In Mother, his head,
2: like, help me. God, Mother, get
3: me out of here. Mother, please. Mother.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, the after in the in the aftermath of that. Um, I've been sort of fascinated to see, you know, how some how the, the, the very last of the sort of the Trump holdouts, how they how they address these sort of like things. So Bill Crystal, uh, the publisher of The Weekly Standard, uh, I think it was shortly after that on, on Twitter, he said, I'm not a Democrat and it's really none of my business. But after watching the Oval Office thing, why is it that Nancy Pelosi has a leadership challenge and Chuck Schumer doesn't? A-
3: amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. 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 I've been saying that for months now.
2: Uh, and I was just like, this is this is pretty amazing, you know. Um, and and also, I again, you know, the there is a little there is a sense of of overtime, you know, with with uh, Nancy Pelosi that she's gone. She has gone past, you know, the, the stage when most people are, are in leadership. Um, she agreed to this deal to limit her own speakership. But she's also 78 years old. I mean, she's not going to be there forever. Um, I mean, I, I wrote about this myself last week that. If you look at the leadership elections in, the, in among Democrats, the one, the people who moved up, I mean, like, yes, the top three stayed there, Steny Hoyer, Jim Clyburn, and, and Nancy Pelosi, they stayed in the same positions. But uh, the other people, like, kept moving up. So Ben Ray Luhan, who ran the campaign arm, you know, he he's now the number four Democrat. Hakeem Jeffries, who had, you know, like, he, he had a uh, sort of a lower level leadership role. Uh, after the last election, he's now the, the conference chairman, the number five position. So uh, every, every everybody below that is moving up. And, and they do have time on their side. When you're in your 40s and you're competing with people in their 70s, all you really have to do is kind of wait them out a little bit. You yeah.
3: Know? <laughs> you know, like, It'll work itself out. Yeah, it,
2: it, I mean, the, just from, you know, I, I'm not a scientist, but... Uh, you know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Who could possibly know how this is going to turn out? <laughs> I mean, look, you're right. In five years, which feels like an eternity... But in five years, the Democratic leadership is going to look completely different. Right. Completely different. Right. And I, that's a good thing. Yeah. I, I I've said this a couple of times. I I guess I'm a centrist, in the sense that I think Nancy Pelosi absolutely should be Speaker of the House. But also, I'm not all that worried about people challenging her and pointing out that we need new leadership.
2: And and they're they're very legitimate like complaints and and. And right to challenge her was is not being, I think, uh, debated, but they didn't even offer a candidate. Right. I mean, right, so. Right. So it's like I mean, like Tim Ryan two years ago had the, you know, the stones to actually step up and say, like, all right, I'll get killed by her uh, in in the caucus elections. Uh, and, and then, you know, Take my new assignment on the you know small business committee. Right. <laughs> after, right afterwards. Right. Um, but I mean you know he he stood up and he said I'll run against her and he got you know his clock cleaned. I mean he he won a, you know a fairly significant amount but he sure. knew he was going to lose probably. Yeah. Um. He didn't and, do it this time. Right. And and he's one of the ones who cut the deal with her. Yeah. Um. And and so you know that's being a professional politician. I mean that that's somebody who's like all right um, I really would like the full loaf but I'll settle for half. It's cool. I'll get. I'll come back to it. You know, uh, after that. Oh, by the way, and again,
3: uh, to, to your earlier okay. point, it's all about time, right? Tim Ryan doesn't look like he's going anywhere, right? You know, he's he's like my age. I think. You know? Yeah, he's that old. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll be around.
2: He'll be he'll be around. He'll he'll be he'll be just fine. He'll um, get a shot. Yeah. No, and, you know, and another another thing, a compromise thing that happened, you know, this week, the Senate yesterday also, before they did the Yemen resolution, they passed a compromise bill that would address sexual harassment in the workplace in Congress. They actually just passed it by unanimous consent in the, in the Senate because they'd worked out the details. Democrats and Republicans actually, like, figured out, like, okay, this isn't a perfect bill, but we're going to basically try to get, like, taxpayers from actually doing these, you know, getting, like, you know, having to pay these settlements uh, when, when it comes to sexual harassment. They I'll, did something.
3: I, I want to play a couple. We had uh, uh, Jackie Speier on the show yesterday. After, she, after the show yesterday, she spoke about this.
0: Time's up for staff members who think that they can sexually harass and get away with it. Uh, they, too, will be held accountable.
3: And to your point, uh, Greg... Uh, Harper, Republican from Mississippi, said uh, for the first time in the history of Congress will hold members of the House and Senate personally liable for unlawful harassment and retaliation. So they got together. They yep. worked it out.
2: They, they got together. They worked it out. And also uh, Jackie Speer is working with Bradley Byrne, a Republican from Alabama. On follow-up legislation that will address not just sexual harassment but also other discrimination cases and get the taxpayers from having to to deal with those sort of settlements. I mean, this is the way the system is supposed to work, right? I mean, this is the if if people want like to to cling to sort of a glimmer of hope that Congress and public policy can work in the way that they kind of sort of figured it would from watching Saturday morning cartoons and watching you know (laughs) Schoolhouse Rock. This is the week to pay attention to it. Next week, eh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, but speaking of next week, we're going to talk to Todd Ruger about what may come next week very shortly coming up at the this top of the hour.
1: is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends. Don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. everything you need to fight the Trump administration this is the
2: bill press show live at youtube.com slash the bill press show welcome back to the show um i am not bill press i'm jason dick uh consider me the uh the joan rivers to bill Press's johnny carson well maybe that that didn't i'm gonna go back to the kermit the frog thing you know that johnny had these guests that he would bring in on a regular basis i'm one of them uh, and welcome and I'm, to the show. And I'm your D-
3: Dom DeLouise.
2: <laughs> Did Dom DeLouise substitute for yeah. Ed McMahon?
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not even Ed McMahon. I'm uh, the Dom DeLouise fill in role.
2: I think that makes Todd Ruger, our legal affairs uh, reporter at CQ Roll Call, uh, the Burt Reynolds then of, of this, <laughs> this particular show.
4: <laughs> I'll take it. Perfect.
2: <laughs> Todd and I are going to discuss uh, what the Senate is debating, which is actually a pretty big deal a criminal justice reform bill. And also, we're going to talk about some of the. Uh, legal intrigue surrounding the president and his uh, his circle.
3: Uh, but first, we're going to do...
1: This is the Full Court Press.
3: You got it. Just a couple of other stories making news. This is sort of an end of an era. I, this bums me out to read this story. But The, roll- the,
2: the Dean Heller era no, of, no. Uh, in, in, uh, in the
3: Senate? <laughs> also that. <laughs> uh, rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder yes. is coming to an end. Yesterday, uh, the veterans, a group of military veterans that ride their bikes here into Washington, D.C. Uh, every May, they say May 2019, will be. Be their very last run. It's something that, like, you can hear all across D.C. Yes. when they come into town. Literally. Yeah. Literally. That's. I mean, that's why they call it Rolling Thunder. Right. But uh, they, they come into town. You hear this just grumble all over the city for the entire weekend. And it's been going on now for quite some time. But they are, it's coming to an end. They are ending it now.
2: Because it's expensive, right? It's Is gotten
3: so expensive. They says that it cost them $60,000 just to rent the Pentagon parking lot. And they say for the whole thing it costs about two hundred grand to put it on. They said we just it's just cost it's too much money. Yeah. yeah, they got priced up. So no more Rolling Thunder, which frankly I think is kind of a bummer.
2: It, it, it is. I mean, it started out as a as a showing a, a show of support for Vietnam veterans. Yes. A lot of them would would ride, you know, on on their Harleys to DC during Memorial Day, and, you know, it was a recognition of, like, shared sacrifice among the veteran community. I mean, those guys are getting kind of old, too. Um yeah. I mean, it, it did morph a little bit once we, you know, went to Iraq and Afghanistan, but um, the being priced out, I mean, like, this is the latest example of being priced out in D.C., I guess.
3: Yeah, yeah, um. I guess so. Uh, the Medical Journal of Australia put out their Christmas issue, and they had a... Who,
2: who doesn't have that under the did, tree did, did right you, now? Yeah, did
3: you not get that? Uh, <laughs> they put out a very interesting story in the journal. James Bond is an alcoholic. That is what they say. They watch all of the different Bond movies, 24 different movies, between 1962 and 2015, and they say that in all of them, his drinking behaviors is, quote, very heavy, heavy. And consistent with those of alcoholics. They say that obviously he has his preferred martini, shake him not stirred, of course. Vodka he, martini, too. They have also, yes, there's a, there's actually a great recipe for the Vesper martini, which uh, they, they write about in the book, which is part vodka, part gin, right. and Lille Blanc which is a really delicious martini, by the right. way. I just want to point that out. Uh, but- one,
2: one of those is enough to make you an alcoholic.
3: Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, <laughs> one of those and, like, I'm ready to take my top off. Uh, but also, not only just the martinis, he's drinking neat vodka, champagne, he's drinking beer, and they point out that he has engaged in I mean, hazardous activities while under the influence. In other words, hold my beer, uh, the James Bond version. So they he also say, used to smoke. He also used to smoke. They they did point that out. And in he mouth, frequently
2: so. gets beaten up by somebody three times his size.
3: Well, alcohol will do that to you. So
2: we, he might have a CTE
3: thing too going right. on. You know. James Bond is going to die soon, is what we're trying to say. He's very unhealthy. He's riddled with disease. <laughs> He's got some major addiction issues. Uh, yeah, I just we should not all glorify. Sounds it like a like... journalist, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty accurate. A, a little less interesting than the life of a journalist these days
2: <laughs> follow us on twitter at BP Show. this is the bill press show We're back. We've full court pressed. Uh, That's it for that uh, aspect of the show. Uh, I'm Jason Dick. I'm the deputy editor of Roll Call, and I'm subbing in for Bill, uh, who is out today. And uh, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Todd Ruger, our legal affairs staff writer at CQ Roll Call. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter, at Todd Ruger. Todd, you've had a a very, you know, sort of bland, slow couple of weeks here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, Todd covers not just the legal affairs aspects of, uh, of of the president, but also the Justice Department, the Supreme Court, uh, and what if uh, the uh, Congress is considering any, something in the legal affairs. So it has been a somewhat busy time uh, for you the last couple weeks.
4: <laughs> uh, you can say that. I mean, I, I think what's what's really bizarre about it is, you know, it's hard to keep up almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, as somebody that professionally gets paid to try to keep up with this stuff, I think, you know, you know, where's what's coming next? What's coming next? It's, it's like crisis to crisis and in, in, in fire to fire that I'm trying to put out. And so I always think about what is what is the what are the American people trying to follow this? You know, like what does the Flynn sentencing right. mean? What does uh, you know Paul Manafort lied to the FBI? What does that mean? You know, and um, and we, it's, it's just, like we get a new plea every day almost. Right. I mean, and there's so many you know tentacles of this these investigations going out there right now. That um, you know, it's it's almost impossible. I think to 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 know all of everything that's going on and, well, and what's so, happening.
2: So let's well let's put the uh, all the sentencing <laughs> please, and, and so forth and, and the Mueller investigation just to the side for a second. But let's uh, we we were talking about in the last hour the criminal justice reform bill right. that that the yeah. Senate is now considering. Um, this uh, w- was among the more unlikely things that we thought we'd be talking about at this point. Mitch McConnell uh has has shown uh, negative interest actually in which he can actually register in through through different uh you know <laughs> expressions. Uh he he has not been interested even in the slightest in taking up this bill. What is this legislation? How long has it been worked on by in in the House and Senate and how did we get to where we are where they're probably going to pass this sometime next week?
4: Well, it's a saga, but you know it starts <laughs> it starts uh forever ago when when there was escalating crime and and there were tough on crime provisions passed mm-hmm. and on federal law. Out, you know, right stuff, and you know. and then the you know the the prison population starts escalating the cost of housing prisoners starts escalating uh, the senators and and members of congress start thinking like maybe we should do something about these costs you know because then now it's preventing them from sprinkling some some funds where they want to sprinkle them in in uh, Iraq you know, and Afghanistan. F- no. Well, F- <laughs> you know the FBI counter right. counterintelligence, keeping right. America safe, and they're thinking, okay, is this really the safest? Right. And um, in the meantime, a bunch of states did a lot of experimenting with with different sentencing changes, uh, different prison changes, and had a lot of success. Um, you know, from Texas, you know, deep red Texas, where. Uh, you know you'd think they would be tough toughest on crime right. uh, they they actually ended up closing some prisons because they didn't need as many um and and so then you had these proposals starting to come up at the federal level and there's a couple of things that are that are you know really easy you know non-controversial things that just should get done um one of them was this huge disparity between the uh, prison sentences for crack and cocaine mm-hmm. and and they disproportionately the larger sentences fell on crack and that was disproportionately black americans mm-hmm. and and so they the, back in um you know i th- i think it was about 2010 they they changed that law so they reduced the disparity between crack and cocaine but they didn't make it retroactive right. so and it still had
2: all these people in prison from the 80s right. and 90s right right mm-hmm.
4: so there were people in, you know and it seems like well if it's okay to change it why why are we still keeping people in prison right. based on this law that we think was you know, not right, and we're changing now. So there's a moral aspect of like, should we
2: be keeping people in prison, you know, for this long if we've actually changed our attitudes about it? And then there's like, the financial part of it, like, should we still be continuing to provide three squares a day for people who right. are, yeah. you know, who who are probably, I mean, we should let out of prison and let them try to get on with their lives.
4: Right. I mean, and it's no. Uh, secret that America has a, you know, a big prison population compared to other countries. Um, w- you know, one of the laws, the other laws, uh, Senator Mike Lee has been working on this a lot. Uh, What's that name years. again?
2: He keeps on coming up. Mike Lee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from Utah.
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, serious, serious uh, legislator. And he, one of the things he talks about in this is a guy named Weldon Angelos, who is from Utah. And uh, one of the provisions in this bill would get rid of this ability to stack firearm provisions uh, for first-time offenders. Mm-hmm. So, Walden well, then, Angelos, uh, um, I'm going to breeze over the details, but basically he sold some marijuana to federal agents three times. He had in his possession a gun. He didn't brandish it. He, uh, um, you know, it wasn't part of the crime, but he just had it in his possession, and that was enough to trigger these enhanced prison sentences. So then he did it three times, so they stacked these enhanced prison sentences back to back, and he got more than 50 years in prison, and he was in his 20s at the time. And so for selling marijuana three times, 50 years in prison just because he had a gun in his possession. And the judge at the time of the sentencing said, you know, this is ridiculous. I I don't think that I should be handing down a sentence, but my hands are tied. The law Mm -hmm. requires this. The prosecutors, you know, are pressing for this. And so this would get rid of that Weldon Angelos problem, this bill. There's lots of little provisions like that that um, they want to change. And broadly, they want to do they want to give federal judges a little more leeway mm-hmm. for nonviolent drug offenders to to not have to spend so much time in prison, and and this is sort of coincided too with like
2: in general, I hate to say society is changing mores, but in in general, we are we have changed our mind about drug use, particularly marijuana use, and 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 like it is it does seem odd to think that there are, are going to be people in prison. Uh, for selling, you know, a dime bag, uh, three times or something like that, for long extended periods of time. When now, like you are from, you are from Colorado, you are from Denver. Uh, I mean, when when you walk down, you know, the streets of Lower Downtown Lodo, uh, Denver, uh, you are going to smell. You are more likely to smell marijuana than tobacco at the, at this point. I mean, there are, there is a vibrant marketplace where you can buy marijuana legally in in Colorado and in in several other states. I just mentioned Colorado because you're from there and right. it was the, sort of at the vanguard. But and and now and and your state in particular is using it to fund schools. I mean so I mean so this is this seems to make sense too from just the 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 way that you know states in particular are saying we think this is dumb, you know, <laughs> to 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 continue to to do to uh, criminalize marijuana. They still have a ways to go at the, at the federal level, but there's there's that, right?
4: Uh, right. And, and you know, there's there's this other faction, though. Uh, Jeff Sessions, uh, when he was an uh, Alabama Republican senator, was one of them that was most staunchly against these changes, mm-hmm. um, and he's always been tough on crime, uh, tough on drugs. Uh, he was the one that negotiated with uh, Senator Durbin from Illinois, Democrat, to reduce that disparity between crack and, and powder cocaine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, but he didn't reduce it all the way, you know, it was this big compromise just to get him there. And then he wouldn't, didn't do the retroactivity. And so there are still these real tough on crime Republicans. Um, one of them now is Senator Tom Cotton, um, who is very against this current bill. Mm -hmm. But when, when you talk about the current bill and how it came together, all these different provisions coming in, Democrats wanted to do it. There's also this other side of it, which is, which is really not controversial at all at this point, which is prison reform. Mm -hmm. And... What they're what what they're doing there is, hey, if you go to prison someday, you're gonna get out, and when you get out, what are you gonna do? Right? Uh, are you gonna recommit a crime? Because that's no good for our society. Well, let's help you get skills, to get a job. Let's help place you in a job. Let's mm-hmm. get you in a halfway house so you kind of get used to being having some freedom, and but yet not totally just cut you loose. With, right. And so, um, a lot of states have had success with that. That's almost non-controversial at this part of the bill so the controversial part is the sentencing
1: yeah
2: and again the 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 coalition of people who have been working on this for several years I mean and particularly in the Senate I mean they're, they're very stark because I think the, the personalities are sometimes tend to be bigger in the Senate I mean the House has been working on this for years too but you've got Chuck Grassley you know a Republican from Iowa nobody's you know l- you know sort of fading liberal type type guy he's a very conservative dude uh, Dick Durbin uh, of, of sort of a proud liberal from nearby Illinois, and the Democratic Whip, he's in leadership uh, in in his party. Rand Paul, <laughs> right. uh, you know, a, a libertarian uh, and Republican uh, senator from Kentucky. Mike Lee, as you mentioned, uh, who is, um, you know, just I, I just think he's an incredibly interesting senator. Yes, uh, yeah. I mean, he, uh, he uh, he's he's a very serious person. He's been. Uh, talked about as a possible Supreme Court justice uh, it, or, at, at some point I mean he's fairly young he's in his 40s still I believe I think um, and uh, Cory Booker uh, from from New Jersey the former mayor of Newark and and current United States Senator there and possible presidential campaign candidate they they all think this is a good idea and they've all been working together on it and then they ran into the roadblock that is Mitch McConnell because he you know I mean as as he often does when he's not interested in bringing something uh he's he's he doesn't go all, you know, fire and brimstone about it. He just says meh <laughs>
4: <laughs> Right. Right. And, and, he, know, and he said meh for a few years. Right. They the so the the interesting part of the the coalition that you talk about there is Chuck Grassley, I think uh, he took the reins of the Judiciary Committee. Mm-hmm. This was a, a big issue. And I think he saw it as an area where maybe he could get something done um, but you know he wasn't for this and then he worked with Durbin and Durbin convinced him and got him on board and and one of the things about Grassley's kind of an old-school senator where he thinks like well you know what if we want a little something like prison reform and they want a little something like sentencing reform maybe we can find enough common ground in a bipartisan deal and he worked hard and he struck this deal um, and they got a lot of people on board and then they went to Mitch McConnell and and Mitch, you know, wasn't going to bring it up on the floor. And they said, they you know, even back then, they said, um, you know, this would be like 2016. They said, we we have a supermajority. We could we could pass this. This would pass. This. this is filibuster proof. We've got enough support. Just never came on the floor. And that's the power of meh. That's the power, <laughs> of the, the power of the majority leader. Power of the meh. <laughs> uh, right. And and so the when when the new Congress started, and Donald Trump gets in the presidency. You know, Jeff Sessions was the attorney general at first, and you're thinking, well, the Trump administration is not going to be interested in this. And Jeff Sessions did fight fight this all the, the time that he was there. Now he's not there anymore. Um, and Donald, Donald Trump um, had Jared Kushner as a senior advisor. Jared Kushner took this on as an issue. And so when Donald Trump took the White House, a lot of the the effort went into let's get Kushner, let's let's get the White House, let's get Trump on board – and at first it was just that prison part, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so so the, the Senate has the sentencing prison and Donald Trump held like a prison reform uh, thing at the White House. And then he would always talk about prison reform. Right. And It's kind of like, well, the sentencing part, the, the not only are the Democrats not going to give up on that, because mm-hmm. if you're going to move something in the criminal justice area, let's let's they're, they're trying to get what they want through, too. But Chuck Grassley wasn't going to give up on it. He said, we've got this agreement, sentencing and prison, so we're not going to do it. So then it became a a matter of convincing the Trump White House to get on board with both of those sides.
2: And really, we're overlooking the uh, influence of Kanye here uh, in, 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 in this debate, right? Because he was actually, I mean, we're, it's. We can't say it without laughing, but he actually was like he did he did support like aspects of this like well, right wasn't I mean it uh, uh, one of the Kardashians came and, to the and White also House one of the Kardashians and, but who and, he happens to be
4: married to you know I mean he's married to a Kardashian let's not forget it, it, well and, and I think after after uh, Kardashian went there he <laughs> I, I
2: see he, Peter getting his his, his headphones on he's like ready I'm ready I'm gonna to go find in. a clip I right was now
3: just <laughs> ready <to> jump in <laughs>
2: But, I mean, it's, it, sounds, it sounds bizarre because anything with Kanye is bizarre, and particularly anything with the Kardashians. But when, I mean, you know, like you said, we do this for a living, right? We pay attention to this stuff. We're paid to do it. We're, we're nerds, you know, which is why we got into this line of work. Uh, but in order to get it to, across to other people necessarily, like sometimes it actually does help to have a Kardashian or Kanye, you know, speak up about it because then somebody who's not a nerd, uh, is is gonna maybe pay attention? Right? I was gonna
3: say. I mean, look, we we mock them and we make fun of them, and they are worthy of those things. Uh, well, I mean, it's we a very society. small
2: part of what we do we as, a, as journalists. Yeah, you, make fun of people, right? Right, 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 <laughs> I never. Do. But
3: like, you t- to your point. That's exactly why this is getting right. done. I mean, right. Donald Trump. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to put this in a delicate way. I mean, he does. I mean, he really. You've got
2: to be careful about saying nice things about Trump on your show. I I I know. I mean, Todd and I are nonpartisan, but you guys have a reputation to uphold.
3: I can't (laughs) can't sully the good reputation of the Bill (laughs) Pressure by saying something nice about the president. Um, But but he values celebrity more than anything else. Mm -hmm. I, I really do think that he really values his celebrity and other people's celebrity. And so when someone who has that sort of clout, and the celebrity that a uh, kim kardashian or kanye west brings he'll actually listen. Yeah. He won't listen to, you know, the speaker of the house Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> but he'll listen to Kanye.
2: I mean, so so we have the Kanye part
4: well, I, to that point and, I think and, yeah. there's a there's yeah. a really a powerful part of the personal story. So mm-hmm. when in the abstract you're like, yeah, throw people in jail that are committing right. these drug trafficking crimes and on if once you start getting a real person involved right. and and somebody advocating on their behalf And, um, you know, what's interesting about this debate is that that has been happening at the grassroots level on both sides. Mm -hmm. Um, The Koch brothers to to uh, Americans for Prosperity is right. right. I mean,
2: you can't get on a bus or or the metro in Washington without seeing one of these signs that says um, poet, entrepreneur, former prisoner. And, and it's like support, you know, this legislation and they're everywhere and they're paid for by Americans for prosperity right. who, you know, if you were listening to Harry Reid the last few years are like evil incarnate. Well, maybe not in this sense. Right. I mean, they're they're pushing this along with Cory Booker.
4: <laughs> right. Well, and one of the one of the people, interesting people in this debate is a guy named Sean Hopwood, who was a bank robber convicted. And now he's a Georgetown law professor. And uh, who, he, who better he got, to understand the law than well, a yeah. lawbreaker? Yeah. Well, and he—I <laughs> he admire couple.
3: his commitment to actually <laughs> <Yeah>. seeing <laughs> it firsthand. And he,
4: well, he and he got—you um, know—he wrote stuff out of prison that got to the Supreme Court. Um, and and so his his is another example of like, oh, here's here's when somebody can get out, they can do good. He was actually at one of those White House meetings on on prison reform. So uh, I talked to him about it. He's like it's completely surreal to mm-hmm. be at the White House talking about this when I used to be in prison.
2: And and one of the other aspects of this too was that Grassley, you know, basically called in called in a card on, on McConnell and said, you know, he had done his job in McConnell's priority, which is confirming judges. You know, he'd shepherded two Supreme Court nominees. He'd like filled the judiciary, particularly at the appellate level, which is, you know, for, for Republicans the the real where the where the real action is. The district court judges is like it's I mean, a lot of these people who have been confirmed were actually also nominated by Obama. <laughs> so, sure. so I mean, they there, you know, you have to get some agreement from from the home state senators. Um, but Grassley said, like, "Hey, I did my part, and Mitch is not holding up his part of the deal to get me my priorities." And then again, the the you know, Jeff Flake had his you know his farewell speech yesterday. He's leaving. He's a critic of the president. Um, but you know, he you know when after he did his farewell speech, the you know, The Daily Show tweeted, uh, like, ah, Jeff Flake's farewell speech. Let's, let's uh, like, do the warm embrace of meaningless tweets now. Uh, but Flake, to his credit, said, you know, I am, you know, on a separate matter, the Mueller investigation, like, unless I get a vote on this, I'm not going to vote for any more judicial nominees. And he has held to that. And that has really and probably given these folks who are, you know, pushing for this criminal justice reform and sentencing reform and prison reform. Uh, legislation uh, the the opening because they don't have this flooded flooded zone
4: of of judicial nominees because flake and grassley has said like meh yeah well <laughs> there, i mean there are still judicial nominees on the right. floor i think they'll probably go in some sort of year end package right. though but but to your point all these, all these bipartisan group, they're fighting to get this. Mm-hmm. They're fighting to get sponsors. They get Donald Trump. They get Donald Trump to make an announcement. They get Kanye. They, they get they get <laughs> they get um, you know Fox News mm-hmm. backs this bill. Um, uh, Sean Hannity had Jared Kushner on to talk to, to talk up the bill, um, but we still have Mitch McConnell who wasn't who basically said, "Hey, we're going to whip it, and if there's enough votes, we'll put it on the floor." But his his big concern is he's got a split in the conference. Mm-hmm. So there are there are people that don't want to take this vote, uh, including one Cotton. of your favorite senators. Not just Cotton, but John Neely Kennedy. Uh, well, I mean he's he's one of every reporter on the Hill's favorite quotes. Uh, <laughs> He's got a lot of good... That doesn't have a chance of a mongoose in a cobra
3: pit. You know? just, yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. You right. Know. The one that, he, does, that he, he says a lot is, that's as serious as four heart attacks and a stroke. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I'm glad
3: that we're going back to a time when uh, senators call rainstorms frog stranglers.
4: <laughs> right. I mean...
2: That's right. Always on the tip of my tongue. Like, Duh. gee, who's from the south in this conversation, <laughs> Peter?
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, well so, I mean, to that point, though, you know, you had these people who were who, these senators who didn't want to do it, and Mitch right. McConnell himself is has said he's not yet decided on the bill. You know, right. the the last bit of text came out this week, and and the, behind the scenes, they're they're negotiating like, well. Let's add this language. Let's right. add this language. There's a sheriffs' association that doesn't like this, and that you know doesn't like the fact that this person. This might get sounds out of
2: curiously like legislating.
4: Well, yes, and <laughs> lobbying, and and basically, so they they got um, uh, John Cornyn uh-huh. to com- get on. They got Ted Cruz to come on the bill. Ted Cruz was worried about um, violent felons mm-hmm. being uh, able to get out of prison early, and he got the language that he needed, so he gets on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, Senator Perdue. And so um, now you start to see uh, this co- bigger coalition building and Mitch McConnell, I think, a- at some point says, okay, president, growing number of Republicans, let's get something done, and, and if they do it, it will be a significant um, signature mm-hmm. piece of legislation that this Congress does. So wh- one of the things- John
3: Kennedy, that- by the way, says he doesn't care if this, uh, uh, the, the amount of money that it costs, uh, somebody who has enough money to burn a wet mule uh, that's his. That's his standard to get this done, right? <laughs> that's a long walk. Yeah, burn a wet mule. I'm sorry, I screwed that up. I no, just, no, no, actually, I. I that's mean, a real phrase.
2: Actually, we wouldn't have known <laughs> like, because it's like it. It's just like I mean, I've you know I've read a lot of Faulkner and so forth. Sure. I've, I've never heard anything like this. Yeah, like, burn come, a wet mule out of Kennedy's. Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one piece of legislation that is. Not likely to get a vote uh, is the the anything to protect Robert Mueller's investigation, but it seems like uh, Mueller may not need the help at at this stage. I mean, we 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 have seen like sort of plea after plea and sentencing after sentencing. Just this week, Michael Cohen uh, gets three years. Um, I forget her, uh, her first name, the, the, Maria the, Butina. Maria Butina, the sort of the NRA darling. Uh, possible kgB agent not kgb I, I forget what they're called uh now but I mean she you know she she copped the plea um I mean th- there it's it seems like there's one domino after another and and this you know there's some, been some reports that this sort of pat uh fits the pattern of how Mueller does approaches these event investigations that he gets all these things he gets all his ducks in a row and then he delivers something um what I mean in your capacity of covering all this stuff in you know, on the side, when as the United States uh, Senate debates uh, the, the most significant piece of uh, criminal justice legislation to come around the, the pike in a generation, um, what what are you like? What are you what are you waiting for next? What's the next big thing that you're looking for uh, in in this or hoping
4: doesn't happen? Uh, <laughs> as You're trying to <laughs> trying to head into the weekend. <laughs> well, the, uh, the I I can't remember. I wish I could remember who said it, but I think somebody said Mueller was a submarine of facts. <laughs> Like, he's coming after. Uh So you have, you know, President Trump who, uh, you know, says a lot of things. And then you have- (laughs) The understatement of the year. (laughs) Federal prosecutors um, in court that are Mm -hmm. saying other things. And when they're in court, they're saying they have, you know, they feel they have the evidence and the facts to back Mm -hmm. them up. Mm -hmm. And what you had uh, this week, I think, that was the most significant was the Michael Cohen Mm -hmm. uh, plea deal where- a little side nugget of that was the National Enquirer. Right. The company that publishes the National Enquirer also had a agreed not to get prosecuted in order to cooperate right. with Mueller and said that that these payments were to influence the election. Right. And Michael Cohen has said that he would... And prosecutors in in court said it was done by the direction of individual one. And individual one is the president. And so you you um, if you're a kind of a normal person on the street and the FBI is um, you know investigating you and stuff you did and payments you made you're really really worried at this point and um yeah there's this you know this this interview that he did with fox uh last night where he
2: you know he was saying about cohen well I, I never told him to do anything illegal uh but but he but he admitted to to directing the payments which is a you know which is different than like you know cohen was doing his own thing and i wonder like are, are Mueller's people – Can you? I just can imagine this scene as they're, like, drinking coffee and eating donuts in the morning. Uh, probably don't. They probably work out. They probably do, like – Those are old school cops. Mueller is in better shape than I am, and he's 30 years older than I am. Um, but I, I can imagine them just saying, like, we don't even have to put this guy on the stand. He just gives <laughs> interviews, and he, like, you know, he knocks down his own defense, like, little by little by little. By He just keeps kind of talking. And it's amazing. Right. I mean, well, just a, right. They,
4: I mean, well, you have de- defenses to possible crimes mm-hmm. and, you know, one of them is denial. Like uh, he did that on a plane. He said, I didn't I didn't know the payments. Right. So that's kind of gone out the window. Now they're, the, the Trump team is is uh, has some other defenses, one of them being that the, the president needs to have known that he was breaking the law. There's a standard in these federal campaign cases. Um, that, you know, is a little murky, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, how do you prove what his mindset was? Um, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence now. Right. Uh, you know, one of the reports, I think NBC reported that um, there was another person in the room when these deals were made and that it was President Trump.
2: I'm sorry, is that individual one?
4: <laughs> yes, but that doesn't actually mean that he knew it was illegal. Right. Um, so there is some gray area, but right. there's, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot more mo- momentum on that side mm-hmm. uh, than there is on the defense side. Um, and and it, the other interesting problem for Trump is that he has been attacking Robert Mueller as partisan and 13 angry Democrats or however many angry Democrats, 17 sometimes. A sometime. sequel to 12 angry men. <laughs> right. Um, so he's been attacking Mueller's office. But the, the the issue here is this comes from the Southern District of New York, mm-hmm. these charges. And the Southern District of New York raided Co- Michael Cohen's office. This is his personal attorney and fixer. All right. So he he probably knows some secrets. They they have also said that, that there's been some reporting that the federal prosecutors haven't said this, but there's been reporting that they'll open up. They've opened up a probe into using some of those Cohen documents they seized into the inauguration, um, and then and then the National Enquirer has been you know basically said they've been doing a lot of this for a long time. So there's what Michael Cohen called dirty deeds right. uh, that were they that done dirty? <laughs> you knew that was coming. Man, I knew it. Beat me to it. <laughs> Well, well, Todd, um, it's a uh,
2: it's a little past eight thirty, which means we probably got about seven hours for the Friday news dump. So, like, you probably want to take a nap <laughs> or, right. or and, and prepare for whatever Robert Mueller or the Southern District. Uh, has prepared for us. I mean, I hope it's a very quiet weekend, but because you d- have deserved the rest. But thank you for walking us through this, and particularly what's going on in the Senate. And uh, I'll see you in the office a little later on. Sure, yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. We'll be right back. Uh, also, follow Todd. Uh, he has a, quite a good Twitter handle, and uh, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty good to follow. I, I, I highly recommend, at Todd Ruger. Uh, he'll be reporting throughout the day on these developments. We're going to be joined by Ginger Gibson from Reuters shortly after we take this quick break. This is the Bill Press Show. Welcome back. Uh, I am Jason Dick. I am subbing in for Bill Press uh, on this lovely Friday. It's a it's a beautiful day in Washington. Uh, always, always. We there will not be a measure of sunlight uh, apparently, uh, and we are not going to get past forty degrees. Lovely this time of year in Washington. Ginger Gibson, uh, political correspondent at Reuters, is joining us. Ginger, welcome to The Bill Press Show.
0: Good morning. So
2: uh, before we get too far into, you know, public policy and politics... Uh, you said right before we went on the air that uh, you are from the rural South, and I you ha- and, and you have a, a, a hankering occasionally for Sonic. <laughs> Do uh, where in the South? Uh, because geography is a big part of my own reporting, uh, and this is something that Peter and I bond on a lot too—is food and and being from uh, you know the sticks.
0: I was born in Port Arthur and grew up in between Port Arthur and Beaumont, Texas. All right. uh, Which is on the Louisiana border on the Gulf Coast. Uh, And then I went to high school in uh, the New Orleans suburbs, sort of the outer suburbs. uh, Metairie? Farther out. Farther out than Metairie, okay. Destrehan. I went to Destrehan High School. Destrehan, as Uh, one does. As one does. (laughs) Um, and, And yeah, so that's where... Grew up in a town called Nederland in Texas. Nice. Yes. Settled so, by the Dutch.
2: So one of the things that I find that, that I I'm glad to hear you identify as being from the rural South, from being from like Port, Ar- Port Arthur or Beaumont, uh, kind of right, because um, we may have talked about this on the show at one point where when the the some of the ads that Richard L- Linklater did on behalf of Beto O'Rourke's campaign. Uh, starred uh, th- this guy who was from uh, the Bernie the, the, the movie the link movie uh Bernie starring uh Jack Black um and Ted, uh, or, <laughs> Ted uh, and he in 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 the movie in in the movie Bernie, uh, he, you know, it's the, it's set in the same sort of uh, place and diner that the commercials are in, and he explains the five states of Texas and Carthage, where you know, which is like north of 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 Beaumont in this area, is is the he's like this is where the south begins, and yeah. it really is. It's pine forests. I mean, it's swamps. I mean, it, it is nothing like where my people are from, which is Eastland, Texas, uh, outside of Fort Worth, and Canadian, Texas, up in the Panhandle, which is actually the sixth state of Texas, but nobody cares anyway, as, as this guy, Sonny, said. So, uh, the, like, the... It, I mean, again, I'm geeking out on geography here, Ginger, but like the, I mean, I th- I think that this actually helps in covering politics because you realize that the world
0: is really kind of complicated. It's very complicated. I am from the part of Texas that really is Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cajuns did not stop when they got to the Sabine River. No. Um, and so, um, I grew up eating gumbo and um, mm. and oh and I'm celebrating so Mardi now. Gras. And so, uh, but I'm Mexican from that area. So um, just to make just to give it a little little more dab of, of coolness, yes. Right? So um,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah, being, being from Arizona, and then we got the South Carolinian in the, yep. in the in the booth there. I mean, like this is this is actually you know. This is making America great.
3: I <laughs> yeah, right. That's right.
2: So let's let's talk a little bit about like what we uh, sort of saw this week with um, with Nancy Pelosi in particular, and you know Nancy Pelosi, uh, a Baltimore native uh, and a and a San Francisco uh, denizen. Actually, she lived more in Washington uh, for the last thirty years or so, more than a. Anything else, but she was able to pull together enough of a coalition uh, of people not from the coasts. Uh, there are still some holdouts, but she she cut a deal with people who had basically had enough votes to keep her uh, from getting the, the number of, of votes she'd need on the on the floor on January third to become speaker. Uh, What did she do and how did she do this?
0: Let's be clear. Nancy Pelosi was always going to be the next speaker of the House once Democrats took control of the majority. Um, A lot of this has been pomp and circumstance uh, that is just inside the Beltway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went out and talked to voters uh, in uh, the middle part of America uh, in October. I was in Wisconsin. I was in Minnesota. I was in Ohio. And not one person, uh, when I stood in the parking lot of Walmarts, which is sort of my favorite thing to do, said, and gosh darn it, I don't want my candidate voting for Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> um, they just don't. Uh, that's not something people care about. She had overwhelming support of her caucus. Uh, but you're right. She needed about 10 more votes to be able to make sure that there wasn't sort um, of an incident on the floor, which we've we've seen uh, sort of evaded by the last two speakers that have had the same sort of issue within right. their caucus, um, and she has appeared to be prepared to agree to only stay there four years. Um, Four years is a long time in politics. Um, It is another uh, election. Um, And she was able to whittle away. uh, Somebody in the Washington Post put it really well today that said Nancy Pelosi is one of the people who sits down to negotiate and she knows that sometimes you need the person across from you to lose, sometimes you need the person across from you to win, and sometimes you need to reach a compromise. Um, And that's really what she did. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And she is the best whip to work in That building since LBJ, Um, she can wrangle votes better than anyone else, Um, and she did one by one get the votes that she needed.
2: And I think that this is—I mean, we 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 know this, right? In our in our little world, you know, like you're, uh, you know, you you work with some people I've worked with before, like uh, Amanda Becker and James Oliphant, and and you know, like we 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 know over the years of watching Nancy Pelosi. Uh, this is a person who knows how to count votes. This is a person who knows how to put together coalitions. This is a person who knows when to crack the whip and when to offer, you know, some milk and cookies. I mean, like she she gets it at different points. And I wonder, is is it actually maybe getting to the point where people in a Walmart parking lot, you know like would would think like, man, this this woman just actually kind of is able to get things done. I mean, she's she seems like a pro. You know, because she certainly came across as a pro in the Oval Office on Tuesday. She didn't lose her cool when everybody else was either slumping uh, in his chair, like Chuck Schumer, or catatonic, like Mike Pence, or just wildly gesticulating, like Donald Trump. She was just kind of like, "Hey, calm down, Buster."
0: <laughs> I think that the the best sign that she is starting to resonate with people. Uh, who aren't in the beltway is that she became a meme, right? right? Like that picture of her walking out of the Oval Office putting her sunglasses on and the red coat. Right. Um, almost Obama like. Almost you know, Obama, right? you know, and and like, and like, I don't like to talk about politicians' clothes because I think that's not what defines her, but Nancy Pelosi is one of the best dressed people in Washington, mm-hmm. right? So everyone saw it and everyone realized it. And like, it was next like a Peter. moment next to Peter, of course. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> and, and so it was a moment. And I think that, um, I think that it's hard to be super well-known and well-liked when you're um, an operator, when you're in in the Beltway doing sort of the sausage making. Mm -hmm. Um, But she understands the public persona and, let's be clear, has been happy to step aside. Uh, She told freshmen that we're running, like, beat up on me. Go ahead. I'm Mm -hmm. still going to send you money. Um, I don't need to win the popularity contest. We need to win the house. Um, And so she's aware of that as well.
2: And one thing that I've been fascinating about the the some of the reporting on the the Green Deal that that a lot of the the freshmen are talking about, and people are like, oh yeah, that sounds like a great deal, a great idea. And Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, a, a a very talented young member, you know, mm-hmm. who's not not even been sworn in yet, and she has you know she has become a thing in politics now. It's almost like Nancy Pelosi is letting people think that it's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's idea to have a select committee on global warming.
0: That she did already <laughs> once before. Right,
2: that she is, this has been done before. Let's like, be clear, too, on this
0: point, which is like, if we look back at the last eight years under Republican control, and we talk about what the Tea Party and the Freedom Caucus did to the Republican Party mm-hmm. in the House, this is not happening again. Right. Um, this is a question of personality, of, who's in, of, of, of style, this is not a question of ideology. Right. Uh, the Freedom Caucus and Boehner and uh, Ryan and McCarthy were a part on policy. Um, Nancy Pelosi and, and uh, Alexandria Ocas Cortez are not a part on policy, right? right? They're not ideological differences. Um, and when you have to show up and vote on the floor... That matters. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because when Pelosi's wrangling votes, um, they're not going to disagree on climate change, on infrastructure, on f- even on foreign policy. I mean, they're on the same page on that front.
2: One of the things I also have found kind of fascinating is that, I mean, again, much has been made of Nancy Pelosi's background. Um, uh, you know, she was the, the daughter of a mayor uh, of Baltimore, Thomas D'Alessandro. I mean, there's parts of little Italy that are named after him. And she kept the favor book, you know, when she was a teenager. So she's been learning this her entire life. But she's also been able to transition from, you know, as, as a politician, from simply like representing her constituents, who were where she is still popular in, in, in San Francisco, to now like mining minding rather the the people who are her constituency in the house and it's just kind of fascinating to see this like play out that she gets that she she has to approach winning over Tim Ryan who ran against her two years ago as part of this deal that she struck with um, you know Cedric Richmond. (laughs) <laughs> from New Orleans, um, and and the outgoing chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus. I mean, these are you know, it, and 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 that knowledge, and also knowing, you know, very it's very easy for a politician to wake up and say and and realize, oh wow, my district is totally different than when I first got elected, and I'm just starting to realize that there are like black people in it, or or that you know that or the suburbs have changed, or something like that. I don't think that Nancy Pelosi is unaware of any change that's happened either in her caucus or in her district. I mean, she's just that kind of good.
0: I think she probably knows all 435 districts, right? Um, and part of that is, is figuring out, because you have to know, right? right? If I'm asking someone to take a vote, I have to know how it's going to resonate with their voters. Um, and I think that you can look at the health care vote as an example of where Nancy Pelosi knew that some of her members were going to lose their seats right. and that she did and very likely would she knew at the time lose her gavel over it. Mm-hmm. And she said we have to take the vote anyway. Right. Um, and so she has that awareness um, and she knows that and she implements it when she's out wrangling votes. And 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 it is obvious.
2: And one of the things that. Um you know, th- about this deal where she agreed to three-year, or th- not three-year, three terms for, for leaders in, in each leadership position. I mean, that w- it was retroactive, so it would apply to, you know, her, her last uh, um, uh, run at the speakership. Um, so and, and you can have a fourth year if two-thirds of the caucus, like, votes for it. So she, you know, she was two terms a speaker before, and so she would have possibly two terms. I mean, she'd be 82 at that point, at the end of that fourth term. She has admitted that if Hillary Clinton had won the presidency, she was going to retire and then probably be made ambassador to Rome or something like that. Uh, but or ambassador to Italy or the Vatican, uh, I, I should say, rather. Um, so, I mean, th- this is not a forever thing for her. I mean, like and and is, is there just this like I mean, she did, said she didn't want to make herself a lame duck. But is there just this sense of like, yeah, four years, as you said, is an eternity?
0: I I think there is that sense. I think there's also the sense that um, nothing in Congress is permanent, uh, both a speakership and a rule about a speakership. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, They could get to four years and she could make a very compelling case that um, they still need her leading there. um, And it's not undoable. Um, You know, never say never in Congress, Mm -hmm. uh, especially if it's only something that requires a vote. Um, So I I think that there's there's that understanding, too. Um, And I think she also knows that there is pushback for term limits in her caucus. Um, One of I think the under talked about things that's happening right now and will happen in January is we'll have the most diverse committee chairs in the history of Congress. Um, Women. African-Americans, African-American women chairing committees that have mm-hmm. just not happened before. Um, and part of that, they will tell you, is because they don't have term limits. Right. Uh, whereas Republicans had all of these retirements because people were going to lose their gavel, they were going to lose their power, and they said, I don't want to be in Congress anymore. The Democrats haven't implemented those types of term limits. And they say that allows senior, particularly African-American and women, to move up in, into leadership and other positions in the caucus.
2: And one, yeah, there there is this tension, particularly with the congressional black caucus. They see seniority as as basically like a sacred right. I mean, this is how they move up, and this is how they represent their districts. I mean, like in for for a while, it was it was almost like a money thing. It's like we represent districts that aren't going to be giving money hand over fist, and so we have to wield influence intelligently because we can't just go to a Wall Street fundraiser. Uh, you know, if I'm if they're representing. Um, you know, the Bronx. You're Elijah you know, Cummings right, and you're representing right. Baltimore. West, West Baltimore, right. yeah, too, yeah. And so so it does make sense on that. And one of the things that I, I find interesting, though, that on, on the Republican side, yes, there have been a lot of people who have retired because of term limits or citing because they don't want to be a backbencher. Um, but one of the more intriguing members uh, in all senses uh, in Congress is Don Young. Uh, he's the dean of the House now. He's been in Congress since 1973. He's chaired, I think, three different committees. He, he chaired... Natural resources. He chaired the transportation and infrastructure, um, and I'm probably missing one. But you know, he, he keeps on sort of cycling through, and nobody. I mean, is as uh, kooky as he can come across. He's an old tugboat captain, uh, you know, in in Alaska, and a, and sort of a salt, and 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 you know, he he has influence. I mean, granted, it's it's outsized because he's the one. He's the sole representative for Alaska. But he's st- he stuck around even though he cycled out of his his chairmanships and and. You know, he arguably has more influence, particularly over Alaskan priorities than ever before.
0: And I think he really likes his job. Yeah. I mean, that helps, right? Um, if you enjoy being in Congress, um, you enjoy constituent work, you enjoy policy. I would um, just enjoy his office. His I, office is amazing.
2: Have you, have you been? I have not. <laughs> yeah. I have
0: to get on that list.
2: Yes. yes, you do. There's a part of the Alaska pipeline in there. Oh, wow. There's also a, a gavel that's made out of... Uh, a, a whale penis <laughs> like I mean that somebody gave him. That's what you do in Alaska, apparently. Uh, I mean, it, it's just I mean, it, it is a mind blowing experience going in. There's a map of Alaska that shows it in scale compared to the rest of the country.
0: I have to tell you, I didn't think we were going to get to Whale Anatomy this morning. Um, And this is the third reference to this this morning, Ginger. Uh, We're so tired of
3: hearing about Jesus and his whale
0: penis obsession.
2: And and, and your obsession with burning wet mules, Peter. That's right. That's right.
0: You never phrase. know. You never know.
2: <laughs> it's like you're back home, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Come on in here, Ginger. Sit a spell. We got some stuff to talk about. My Uber driver and I had a conversation about eating alligator and squirrel this morning. It's hey. just we're all over the place, aren't we?
3: You know,
2: speaking speaking of this, you actually don't have to go home to to get some of these the delicacies of of where we're from. Uh, I'm from rural Arizona. Uh, up in up in Baltimore. <laughs> At at Finlay's Market, you can get smoked muskrat.
0: <laughs> muskrat is a delicacy in Delaware. I worked in Delaware, uh, Southern Delaware. It's quite popular. There's a restaurant in in Southern Delaware where you can go, and they will serve you muskrat. Um, yeah. Bill Press, proud son of Delaware, yes. loves him some muskrat.
2: I loves am him speechless. some muskrat. Yeah, because I thought
3: I was weird because I was talking about how much I loved squirrel when I was a kid because we used to shoot squirrels and cook squirrels. And Bill was like, "Yeah, we muskrats basically just a big squirrel."
0: And They sell them to you at the deli with the the teeth still.
3: Yeah, that way you know it's fresh.
2: <laughs> Again, you didn't think that we were going to go here. We, we, were, we were talking about Pelosi. We we're going to talk about like some 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 politics. Maybe get into Trump or whatever. Yeah. Please
3: tune into our animal husbandry podcast <laughs> that's coming out soon. <laughs> 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 just called critters and how to cook them. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ran off a little. Bit. Uh,
2: th- this is this is the car. I mean, I I've made all these allusions to Carson. There like, there's one. There was one point where like he he had Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise on it, and and they they literally couldn't stop laughing. They They, yeah. did, they and and it was and you can't imagine like what what the ray of the situation was when she just started of <laughs> shaking her head like. Um, <laughs> we're live. <laughs> yeah. so you guys know you're on air, right? Guys. <laughs> So I was joking with Todd Ruger uh, before uh, in the in the last segment about the the Friday news dump, <laughs> like what whatever may come. What's what's your what's your even money on what, uh, what the, on the on that thing that's going to potentially ruin uh, our our Friday? Uh, the, the, is it Mueller oriented or? Are we going to find out that somebody is, you know, has an ethics complaint about them in the last five days of the Congress or something like that? I mean, what do you think?
0: I wish I knew because then it would make it easier to make my dinner <laughs> reservations tonight, right? Um, I don't know. I think that Mueller is always a potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, last Friday was Mueller Friday, um, so I don't know that we're going to get two Mueller Fridays. A lot Fridays. of Mueller Fridays, Two yeah. <laughs> Mueller Fridays in a row. Um, and I don't know that he... I don't think he's trying to orchestrate it in this way. Right. Um, I very well could be wrong, but I don't mm-hmm. think he is. Um, we haven't had any tweets from the president yet this morning, which is unusual unless they were happening while we're nope, nope, nothing, no tweets from the president. Um,
2: which actually makes me like it, it. It's a little weird. I mean, like I don't want tweets. Don't don't tweet if you don't want to, Mr. President. But like, it, it's almost like I wonder if he's okay.
0: Yeah, I have. That. I mean,
2: it' cause you know, it's like if you don't hear from like your your, you know, your dad for a while, for a couple of weeks, you're like, well, I wonder if he's still around. If you Great know, Aunt like, Myrtle
0: hasn't posted on Facebook in a week, some right. like you know, conspiracy theory, you're like, is she okay? Right,
2: and and then and then you call, and then you're on the phone for two hours. Right, <laughs> like so, it's a it's a it's a thing of like you want to be a good person, you know, and check on them, but you also don't want to poke, you know, and 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 like. Have have the the tweet storm the tweet rage storm come out?
0: Congress has left town. They have they have fled as quickly as they could on Thursday, um, so they're not going to like strike a spending deal right. um, today. Uh, maybe maybe knock on wood, we could have a quiet Friday. Um, I I don't know, but
2: thanks, you just run it. I didn't
0: it. I used the <laughs> Q word. I'm sorry. So
2: w- one of the things that I I have been you know just like amazed at is that what we're talking about with this spending deal. Quick pivot, you know to 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 the spending deal. We've got one week to go before you know a, a partial government shutdown. We're talking about nine cabinet agencies and some or cabinet departments and and a few agencies, but among them, Customs and Border Patrol, TSA, FBI. Um, so this is a most of the budget's done. You know, m- you know the 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 budget that the the federal government this year is going to spend about 4.4 trillion dollars when all is taken into account. That counts Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. The military is funded. You know, like all all the biggies are done. So this is this tiny little sliver of this 4.4 trillion dollar budget, and even among that, they basically have everything sewed up except for the wall. Right. And on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> if we c- can call it that way, uh, call it that uh, so far. Um, the president says he wants $5 billion for the wall. Earlier this year when he submitted his budget, he said he wanted $1.6 So Congress said, like, OK, we'll do that. And so this argument is over roughly $3.4 <laughs> billion and a $4.4 trillion budget.
0: Um, is
2: this really gonna happen? I mean, it's <laughs> like You know, that's <laughs> a great d- question.
0: And and you know I, I you talk about people you, back home helping your party. I call my dad to tell him like, hey, if they shut the government down, I might be late for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um and he says
2: it always a great conversation. Always a to great help conversation, parents, you know. right?
0: And and my dad says, Oh, well, I can't they just can't they just figure it out? And I said, Well, <laughs> you know, they offered one point six, he wants five and my dad goes, You know, I don't I'm not one who thinks walls work, but can't they just give him like two and a half? Like is that and, <laughs> and, and and so I think that like um, the public is going to have a hard time right. understanding why they would shut parts of the government down over the difference between one point six and five billion dollars, right? right? Um, it's hard to understand. Why, I mean, it's hard for reporters to understand why they can't come to an agreement. Um, well,
2: and and also the 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 parts of the government that would be shut down. I mean, granted, you know, TSA is going to check my shoes, you know, as I get on a plane, you know, like around Christmas, right? I mean, right. even if there's a shutdown. The FBI is still going to keep tabs on some nutcase, you know, who is talking about bombing places, whatever. Those, those essential employees will will still be on the payroll. And, again, the rest of the government is already funded. So the one part of it is is that could potentially affect people where they, they get kind of pissed about it would be, like, if they wanted to go see a national park, right. like, over the holidays. Right. If, if they wanted to go to, like, the Grand Canyon or they wanted to go to... The Washington Monument,
0: (laughs) or if you work for any of those agencies and you want your paycheck,
2: right? Um, So you're gonna be furloughed. So you're gonna like furlough a bunch of like you know kind of like mid level working or that guy checking your shoes. Right,
0: he's gonna check your shoes, but he's not gonna get. The paycheck until he they open the government back right. up, right? So, um, from it, an
2: image perspective, this is just terrible, right?
0: I I, I can't understand. I mean, is it though? Donald Trump has been successful repeatedly when those of us in the Beltway are like, stop talking about immigration, and then he does it and it works, and his base loves it. Unless um, of course
2: you're a House Republican, unless... <laughs> like talking about the the immigration, right? So
0: so you know maybe it it resonates really well with his base. Mm-hmm. Who needs those? Bureaucrats at work the week between Christmas and New Year's, and he got his wall, and he's delivering on his promises, and he's a strong negotiator.
2: So one of the things that I it occurred to me too is that the you know the Coast Guard is part of the Homeland Security Department. This is one of the agencies that's uh, that is hung up in this spending deal. Uh, Mar a Lago is on the water. Uh, it is it is protected by the Secret Service, also part of the Homeland Security Department. So if we're in a shutdown and Donald Trump is in Mar-a-Lago at the time as he is planning a 16-day uh, Christmas break uh, over the, that could coincide with a shutdown. The Coast Guard officers in Grants and the Secret Service dudes who are making sure that nobody takes a pot shot at him are going to be working without pay.
0: That's correct. <laughs>
2: That's, so, oh man, there there we go. There, you've got your lead now. Uh, uh, the White House reporters in, in the trapped in the pool down in Mar-a-Lago on the golf course.
0: Their life is not hard. <laughs>
2: That's true. <laughs> it's just boring. Yeah. Ginger, thank you so much for stopping by the Bill Press Show and running this stuff down for us. Thanks for having me. You can uh, follow Ginger on Twitter at ginger gibson, and uh, we're gonna just hold our breath on the Friday news dump. This Have a good- is the Bill Press Show.